I would like to start tonight with prayer. Um, I don't know how many of you know Janet Romans, but her sister Sandy has been very sick for the last like four or five days. But it seems like she is passing away tonight. She's most likely not a believer. Um, so yeah, Janet has asked that we pray. So we'll start with prayer for Janet and for the evening, and then we'll begin. Let's pray. Father, we humbly come before you. And Lord, you know what's going on with Sandy. And it does seem like it is her time. We pray, Father, that you would be very near to Janet, that you would comfort her. I pray that... Um, Sandy's daughter would make it safely here, and we just ask that you would comfort this family. I don't know where they all stand in regards to their love for you, but we pray that this would be a time where they would focus on eternity and on you. We pray that you give Janet such grace in talking with her family. And Father, if possible, we know all things are possible with you. We're going to study Lazarus, who was dead for four days, and you raised him. We pray that you would heal her, that you would keep her from dying, that she would have a chance to repent and turn to you. And Father, I pray now that you would help us as we um, study the subject of unmet expectations. I pray for wisdom for myself. I pray that you would help us to hear and apply all that you would have us to learn. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So, I don't know how many of you have been doing the homework, but the homework assignment is back there as well as... Oh, did everybody get the handouts because they came maybe a little bit late? Um, but... If you don't have a handout or the homework assignment or the Bible verse, please grab one. And I would just encourage you to really do them. Um, I have found them extremely encouraging. I know the Psalm 119, when Yvonne first did that, I was like, this is a stroke of brilliance. Um, and then last week was just good. Um, so I followed in the same suit, just picking some of the verses that we're going to cover today, and I would encourage you to just spend time meditating on those verses, writing out prayers, thoughts from them, just to encourage your hearts. Um, actually, I won't tell you who this is, but one young lady in our small group could not be here, and she told me I could share this, but she really blessed my heart tonight. She sent this text and said she wouldn't be here. And she said, what kept coming to mind as I did the homework between our memory verse and the passages for our homework was the call to be imitators of Christ and how our lives and walks as believers should be a reflection, imitation of his earthly ministry. Jesus spent his time on earth pouring into others and seeking to bring glory to God no matter what. Jesus maintained a state of constant humility, 
not regarding equality with God a thing to be grasped, but out of and not out of begrudging obligation, but because his love for the Father was greater than everything else, and it fueled everything he did. And we're supposed to be imitators of Christ. So I just, that blessed me, so I thought I would share that with you. And today, um, we are going to be discuss, discussing our expectations regarding other people. Last week was regarding ourselves. Honestly, there's quite a bit of overlap in these because there just is. How we respond to other people is similar. Um, but I would like to start by reading parts of John 11, as I alluded to in the prayer. This is about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And as I read, I would like you to keep in mind what unmet expectations Mary and Martha must have had as they walked through that week. Okay, now a certain man, this is from John 11, if you would like to follow along. And be forewarned, I did shorten it a little, so I, I'm not going to tell you when I'm skipping verses, but you'll see. <laughs> um, there was a certain man who was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified in it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place where he was. That isn't what we expect to read, right? We'd think he hurried off to heal him. But no, he stayed two days longer. Then after this, he said to, to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And, for your, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there so that you may believe but let us go to him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. <coughs> Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the, in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord. I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. 
Then, when she had said this, she went away and called Mary, her sister, saying secretly, The teacher is here and is calling you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and was coming to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and consoling her, when they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus, therefore, saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews were saying, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man also from dying? So Jesus, again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Remove the stone. Ooh, Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because the people standing around, but because of the people standing around, I said it, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth, bound, hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he had done believed in him. Do you see all of the expectations that were expressed there? In verse 21, Martha said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The whole interaction shows that Martha had an incredible faith in the power of Christ, <laughs> stating even in verse 22, even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. So she, she had this really strong faith. She trusted Christ, but she was disappointed. She, she expected Christ to come and heal her brother. She knew that he could have. And then in verse 32, Mary, the same, exclaimed while falling at Christ's feet, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then in verse 37, some of the Jews said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man also from dying? So that was their assumption too. So all of these people had expectations that were not met. And they expected that Jesus would have come right away and that he would have healed Lazarus. Obviously, he loved him. 
so that he wouldn't die. It didn't seem that Mary or Martha lacked faith in Jesus' power, but he hadn't done what they had expected him to do. I wanted to start with that example because it is so clear and we can see both sides of it. Because this was recorded in God's word, we understand from our side why, why Christ waited. He specifically waited because Lazarus needed to die so that Christ's power would be evident as he raised him from the dead. He knew that this was for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. And then verse 45 shows that that was accomplished. It says, therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he had done believed in him. <laughs> oh, if all of our disappointments and heartbreaks stemming from unmet expectations, if we could keep in mind the ultimate purpose, that God has a greater purpose, that he will be glorified. And we don't, in our little lives here, we don't get to see the other side of it like we can see with Christ here. We know why he waited. We know that it was for God to be glorified. When things happen in our lives, we don't always get to see that as clearly. But it's so nice to have this example so that we know it. We know this is true. I also like this example because it clearly shows the compassion that our Lord has for us in these times. We understand why Mary and Martha were heartbroken, and so did Christ. When he arrived, he saw them grieving, and he wept. In Exodus 34, 6, we see our Lord described as compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth. Truly, our God has compassion for us in all our griefs, trials, and unmet expectations. This example helps me to concretely picture Jesus by my side weeping with me. And there have been times where that's been very helpful to know that he sees and he cares. So truly, Christ's way was best, and by the end, Mary and Martha could see that. But they had to go through the pain and the grief of losing their brother before they could see it. So as we look at this topic, we need to think through what we expect of other people and see if those expectations are based on scripture and on our desire to love and please God Maybe they're based on other things, like things we learned at home from our parents or from movies or otherworldly influences. Are our expectations based on pride, thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to think? Some of the examples I came up with, definitely that would be one. Um, so we all have a myriad of relationships that we are involved in. Here you all at church. We've got relationships here, relationships with our elders, our small group leaders, our fellow people in the church, 
we have a lot of relationships. Um, you've got various family members, your moms, your, your parents, your children, your siblings. You can have all sorts of relationships with these people. Friends, people that you work with. I work with delightful people. But I'm sure you can think through quite a few examples of unmet expectations you have had over the years or that you are experiencing right now. Okay, I'll get distracted. We'll keep going. <laughs> Um, so, unmet expectations can result from a number of different ways. And one is something as simple and really not even sinful, it's just different. Our different backgrounds. I probably didn't recognize this until after some of my kids got married. And they're better at communicating than I am. So, they figured this one out. But this is an example. In our home, as the kids were being raised, we loved birthdays. We celebrated birthdays. We would get up, we'd have a big birthday breakfast, whatever the kid wanted, or adult, we would have for breakfast. And then we'd continue with opening presents and having a nice lunch and doing fun things, and then supper. They got to choose whatever they wanted for supper. Okay, for years. It was hot dogs and macaroni and cheese. Okay, not the healthiest foods. Probably why they chose them, because I wouldn't naturally serve them. Until <clears throat> our good friends came to visit. If you have met Debbie Holman, this is Debbie right over here. She and her husband were visiting, and John sidled up to one of those children on a birthday, maybe a day before the birthday, and said, Ask for steak and shrimp. <laughs> All of a sudden, our grocery bill started going higher because, really, mac and cheese and hot dogs were cheap. Um, but so that's just an aside. We started having steak and shrimp. But this is how we celebrated birthdays. Fast forward quite a few years, our girls get married. And they want to do that because they have such fond memories of these birthday breakfasts and suppers that they got to choose. Well, one of them married somebody who didn't do birthdays. I mean, they didn't, I mean, they might have done a present, but not a lot of presents. Definitely no birthday breakfast, no birthday supper. Practically ignored the whole day. So that makes it hard. And she thinks, Huh, all this stuff is going to magically appear. Mm, it didn't. <laughs> also, thankfully, the two of them learned pretty early on how to communicate. So they worked through this, and thankfully, her husband was willing to see things her way. Okay, that doesn't always happen, right? It could have easily gone the other way, but in this case. But it's just a good example of how your background, you come into relationships with all sorts of ideas. And something as simple as how you celebrate a birthday can really make an impact, right? I mean, that's... Okay, so they, they got through that. Another way that we can be affected by our expectations is just a different way that you apply biblical principles. Okay, so... How many of you are familiar with Ephesians 5? Husbands, love your wives 
just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Hmm. Do we expect our husbands to love us like Christ loved the church? Well, yes, we do. But how does that look? And what are you expecting? Because this is real life. And there's different ways that it can look. And so, okay, let me read, because if I get off, we'll be off. Certainly, <laughs> that is what they are called to do. But what does that look like in real life? Do you have one idea and he has another? Do you hold firmly to that idea, risking unmet expectations and frustrations, maybe even anger? A very tangible example that I have seen repeatedly are when moms have young children at home and their husband's working outside the home. He comes home and they're like, yes, I get to relax and have an hour to do nothing. That's what the mom's name was me was thinking and your husband comes home and he's tired he's really tired he's just worked really hard all day so you have to be able to communicate I can still remember Andy and I working through on this because I really just wanted to leave the kids with him so I could go do the grocery shopping without all these little kids in tow would have been easier and he actually was very good with coming home and helping. He, would, he did a lot, but he didn't really want me to disappear. So we worked out a plan because we didn't have enough money to really hire a babysitter. So I found another friend where we traded off babysitting. One week she would come over and she would, she would drop off her kids. We had little lists of groceries. We'd make a little list when we were watching the kids. She would, so she would go out and buy my little list and her big list. Go home, unload it, and then come bring mine back. And that was wonderful because we didn't have to pay for childcare, but we didn't have to burden our husbands in the evening with watching all the kids. And we got our groceries done without the kids. The next week, I would go to her house, drop off the kids, go do my big shop, her little shop. And it just worked really well. But these are the things when you have those expectations. And really, I mean, it's hard to do shopping with a lot of kids. I'll address that later because that, that, yeah, when you take a lot of kids out shopping and one of them disobeys, you have to deal with it. <laughs> so anyhow, um, that's just one thing. Another is Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Okay, so the last time Yvonne had us read through these verses and write a prayer to the Lord, I imagine that the way your prayer was, it was not, it was for yourself, not for your friends. But sometimes I think it subtly creeps in that we can expect our friends to put our interests above their own. 
And we would never say that. I don't think we would truly ever say, oh, I expect that. But think about it. It really is very subtle. If, they're, if you are called to do that, then they are called to consider your interests above their own. Your friend, think about just this little example. Your friend comes over to your house and loses their phone, and you help them look for it. You spend a lot of time looking for it, but it's important, so you do it. A month later, you're both at church, and you misplace your keys. After expressing their concern, they head out because church is over, leaving you to go back and retrace your steps, try to find your keys. Are you frustrated? Are you angry that they're not doing for you what you would have done for them? And I think that's where it comes, you know? I think it's that I would do it for you, so why wouldn't you do it for me? And I do think that happens a lot in relationships. And I don't think we'd really consider it wanting them to put our interests above their own. But I think that's what it is. And I think it's good to recognize that because it happens a lot. I, well, it does in my life, let's just say. So it, it's, good to, it's good to recognize that. Okay, now, point three, mind reading. How many of you are good at mind reading? Okay, when you're driving and somebody cuts you off, can you assume what they're thinking? You're probably thinking they're mean, they're not considering my interests, they just want to get where they want to get. I mean, there could be any number of reasons why somebody might cut you off. My sister cut somebody off. And the guy drove by, and he was mad. And her husband's sitting in the passenger seat, and he just goes, <laughs> which is probably the best way to handle something like that. But we do that, right? When we were out in California once, where everybody's moved from, I, Andy and I were driving in with our big 15-passenger van and our 10-trailer. And there was another, we are going to get gas. There's another car coming towards us, and I'm pretty sure she didn't want us to pull all the way through. So she came in a little too fast, and she scraped her car on the post that protects the gas pump thing. And, oh, she got out of her car, and she was not happy. And Andy looked at me and goes, what's the matter with her? And I think he was taking it personally, like she was mad at him. And I said, oh, no. She just made a really big mistake. She just, you know, hit this post. And he was like, oh. But if he hadn't seen that, or if I hadn't seen it, he, we wouldn't have known. We would have thought she was mad at us. So you do that where you don't really, well, again, I do that. Can't speak for all of you, but I bet I'm not alone. Um, I think there, it really is very tricky. Um, one time uh, we made our kids, my poor kids, we like to play soccer. I required that they all referee soccer games. So they had to volunteer for this. They didn't like it. And it was pretty tough. Well, so here's poor old it was Lydia or Abigail out there refing, And they made a call that this coach didn't like. 
And so he yelled at her, and he kind of tried to reverse the whole thing. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't get to do that. She made the call. Well, the call stood. These two coaches were actually friends. These were little kids. It was not a big deal. But I overheard this coach say to the coach that was being a little obnoxious, why don't you let her just coach the game or rest the game? <laughs> Stop. He was putting him down. Well, then something else happened, and the two of them laughed. Lydia hadn't heard any of that. She had just heard them laughing at her call. She was devastated because she's thinking, they're just making fun of me. I'm out here trying to volunteer and keep these little kids playing, and the coaches are laughing at me. Well, again, it was so nice that I had overheard what was going on, and I took her aside and I said, no, they were, they were laughing at themselves. They were really laughing at the coach that was giving you a hard time because that's what needed to happen. But it was just good to know, but in her mind, she had assumed that they were making fun of her. So I do think with our unmet expectations, we do this. And it's so tricky because we live in our minds. We know what we're thinking. You can only assume what the other person is thinking. You really, you can hear, you filter everything through your own background, your own way of handling things, really your own little personality. So many things that you view are viewed through how you interpret things. Um, so I think we need to guard against that kind of thing, especially with close relationships. Do you interpret a glance as a glare? Do you assume that someone doesn't want to go out with you? They give you an excuse, but do you expect that that excuse is just an excuse that they really don't want to be out, out with you, even on just a hike or whatever. Or, I mean, sorry, I am a little bit lost here on this one. Do you assume that someone just doesn't want to be with you when they give you an excuse not to go on an outing? Or maybe they truly <laughs> have a real reason for not going out. My husband will tell you, we almost never got married <laughs> because... We had a friend who had told him that I was interested in him. He invited me out. I had a test. I'm sorry. I have to study for my test. And then he asked again, no, oh, I'm sorry. I have a field trip. I really, really can't go. And he's like, two strikes, you're out. <laughs> Thankfully, Tim interceded and said, no, 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 she really does like you. She keeps saying no. So thankfully, he asked one more time, and I was like, yes, I'm going to go. I have a picnic, but I'll figure out how to get home. <laughs> yes, so it's, it's important to guard against that, not to assume. Let's see. Oh, and this is where I think 1 Corinthians 13 is so, so very important. Okay, so love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, 
does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, <coughs> but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I really encourage you to memorize those verses if you don't have them memorized already. I didn't ask you to memorize them today. But <laughs> I think you really should because they are so good. It's so much easier to be patient with someone when you believe all things. So if someone tells you something, take it at face value. Don't question what is behind their motives. Okay, then, expecting the right things for all the wrong reasons. For those of you who are moms, I will give you an example you can probably relate to. In child training, you definitely work hard to get your children to obey. You've memorized verses like, train up a child in the way he should go, and in the end, he will not depart from it. You're working on their hearts. You share the gospel with them. You're bringing them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And most of the time, it's hard work, but it's also very rewarding. Two steps forward, one step back, you know how it goes. You have victory, then it's like, and you're like, whoa, is this my child? <laughs> They hit him again? <laughs> okay, you expect good behavior because you've trained them that way. But they are definitely a work in progress, and right now, they need discipline, those little toddlers. So, here you are, out shopping. Remember that shopping thing I talked about before? If you're out with your little toddler, and they throw a fit, what do you do? Okay. And you can take them to the bathroom and have a nice little talk and maybe spank them. I used to take them to my car. I tried very hard never to spank my children in public, but I did spank them. But I would say, when you're out in public, what's motivating you? It's good to think about this because just sheer embarrassment it can motivate you. Are you thinking, I want to train this child for the glory of God? Or are you thinking, please stop crying, please stop crying. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. Whose child is that? <laughs> Over in aisle two. <laughs> Anyhow, you can do the right thing. You can calmly talk to the child. Take them out, bank them if you need to, address their hearts. Or you could open a bag of Tootsie Pops and pop it in. Because you know what? That'll probably stop the temper tantrum right there. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> but those are the things that we have. We have those unmet expectations that our kids are going to be little angels. Okay, I know you know that's not going to be. But we expect when we're out that they're going to obey a certain way because we've trained them that way. And when they don't, we have to really evaluate our thoughts at the time and be careful not to just react, but to, to, as they say, work the plan. You know what your plan is and, and to do that well. Okay, so you see the problem. There are many unmet expectations. I am sure if I asked you guys for examples, you would have very interesting examples of expectations that you've had that were unmet. But 
what is the remedy? And I'm going to read, and if you would like to read with me, it's again another long one, Colossians 3, 1 through 17. And as I read through it, think through the unmet expectations that you have had and how these verses would apply. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impassion, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them, but now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. So I think unmet expectations, when we're in conflict with someone, those things can come out. But put them all aside. Do not lie to one another. Since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and freeman, but Christ is all and in all. And I think there again is that we're walking, trying to imitate Christ. So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Just a little aside, I call these my COVID verses. When COVID was in full force in spring of 2020, when everybody's under quarantine, I memorized these verses because there was so much conflict. And I just love this. I'm going to read it again. So as those who have been chosen of God, we've been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And again, that example of our Lord. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. 
Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Okay, so the remedies for unmet expectations. One is as simple as open communication. Um, I think about that with, with the birthday thing. You know, again, it's a little example. But if you don't communicate about it, it can cause hurt. It can make people feel sad. Make me feel sad if we didn't have birthdays. <laughs> but James 1. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. When you're communicating with anyone, with your parents, holidays are coming up. There's so many unmet expectations around holidays. Keep that in mind. Be slow to speak, quick to hear, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Ephesians 4, 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Can you imagine how sweet your household would be if you did this all the time? Oh, Proverbs 18:13. Hmm. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. And I think as parents, that makes, well, really for anybody. But I can still remember getting so unhappy with a certain child because this other child told me all that was going on and I went in loaded for bear and oh huh, I hadn't listened to what she had to say and it was quite a bit different so yes definitely listen uh, don't answer before listening and I think being a good listener is so important and then Proverbs eighteen twelve: fools find no pleasure in understanding but delight in airing their own opinions. So yes, um, work at understanding with whoever you have conflicts with. It's so good to be able to really listen and to understand. Okay, a second remedy is prayer. This is so important. Um, I think we have hit both of these verses in previous weeks, but Ephesians 1, 15 through 20. I love this prayer. For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand 
in the heavenly places. When you have unmet expectations, whether they're things that are just heavy on your heart that are with whomever, any other person, <coughs> pray for that person because you should. <laughs> when you're praying for somebody, it's so much harder to be angry with them and God is going to be working in their hearts. And the power is there. It says, what does it say here? It said, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? Okay, and then Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able, is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Okay, I'm not really done, but that would be a lovely place to stop <laughs> because... That's the point. We want to be in relationship, good relationship with others to the glory of God. And then the Holy Spirit can work in us and we need to rely on the Holy Spirit. Read those two prayers again. He's in there. His strength is what helps us. And then Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think the hope is based on Christ and on who he is and on the power that he can give us to live lives that are holy, to apply his word. And then we come to his word. And I have a lot of verses here. We may not get to all of them, but let's just say a lot of these we have done. Like I know Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, we did for homework, but I'm going to read it again. With It says, therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Now, if I think back to some of the examples I gave of unmet expectations, if you apply just this one verse, how much easier relationship would be if you think about walking in the manner that you have been called with humility, with gentleness, with patience, 
You all have parents. It's a good time to be humble and gentle and patient when you're trying to work through how you're going to celebrate holidays. We haven't had that struggle yet so far. It's, yeah, we, it's not been an issue, but I know it is an issue. And who goes where, when, and how you celebrate and all those things. Um, first Peter 4, 8, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Yeah, these verses are just so good. Philippians 2, 17 and 18. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice and share my joy with you all. This is Paul. Paul was in a hard place right there. But he's saying, I'm rejoicing because I am serving you. You too, I urge you, rejoice in the same way and share your joy with me. Some of these things, if you're doing them, it's just hard to be in a difficult relationship. If you're serving Christ in this way, it's not going to never happen. But it, emulating Christ, being like Christ, really is the best way to live our lives. Colossians 3, 12 and 13. Okay, so I've already read that one. We'll move on. That's the one that I read twice because I love it. My COVID verses. 1 Thessalonians 5.15, see that no one repays another with evil for evil. Isn't that a hard one? I mean, that's, that's something we all very naturally like to do. I, mean, I, I think it is a very natural tendency when someone is unkind to us, we want to be unkind back. Don't give in to that, okay? Do not return evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. These are the guidelines that God has for us. Hebrews 12, 14 and 15. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness Springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. So I know quite a few of you in here. I don't know all of you, and I don't know all that goes on in your hearts. But let me just say, if you struggle with some of these things, and it's a real possibility, I mean, there are really hard things that happen, I would encourage you to talk with your small group leader Maybe not tonight, maybe not in front of everyone, but I would really encourage you to really think about getting counsel because these commands are here, but walking them through can be really hard if you've had some difficulties in your past. Romans 12, 9 through 21, again. Andy and I once did a devotion at a baby shower, and I made the point, no, oh, it was a wedding shower, sorry, they were getting married. I said, memorize Romans 12 together. That's such a good, this is such a lovely section of scripture. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. 
Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Right there. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men, if possible. So far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Let me just tell you a little story that happened the other day. So we have Tuesday night Bible study at my house. And I don't really think about what happens outside on our street because I'm inside welcoming people, man, getting the waters filled, stuff. Well, this last Tuesday, someone was coming who'd never come before. So I was standing out on the front porch waiting for her because it was a little late and I knew she was coming. And I see a car come in and it parks over next to our neighbor's house. And I don't hear any words, but all of a sudden the car backs out and comes and parks a little closer to us. And by that time, I, the other lady had come and I'd gone inside. Well, Jessica Moore comes in and she says, I think I just made your neighbor really, really mad. I'm like, what happened? Well, she had parked and this much of her car was in his driveway because there wasn't enough room. And yeah, he came out and asked her to move and she moved which was really nice she said I hate that I'm here for a bible study and I'm making your neighbors mad well so the next day I went over and I got to thinking I'd not communicated with them about the study we have small group there at times too how often had this been happening and I was oblivious the people hadn't come in and said I just did this Jessica told me I appreciated that so I made some special chocolate chip cookies and I took them over the next day. And I was a little intimidated. He can be a little intense, but he was so appreciative. So I could have had all sorts of expectations of this conversation. It went so nicely. And he actually apologized. He said, please tell your friend I'm so sorry. I think he must have gone off on her. She, she was pretty sweet about it, but the way that he apologized, I think, eh, okay. So all of that's to say, those expectations. Oh, and then they told me they're expecting a little boy. So that was fun. Um, now, here we are. As far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. That's an important part because sometimes you cannot be at peace with all men. There are people that regardless of how, I mean, you think about in that story of Mary and Mar Martha and Lazarus, the last verse after verse 45, those people went and said, 
Pharisees, look at what Jesus just did. I mean, it was a wonderful thing, but they weren't happy about it. So not everybody was at peace with Jesus, and he was perfect. So just keep that in mind. As far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own vengeance, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So, in summary, and this is your memory verse. This, Lamentations 3, 21 and 23. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And I think when we think about unmet expectations, some of them are trivial, some of them are very intense. But to know that the Lord is compassionate, and that he, his compassions never fail. That he is full of loving kindness. He is always faithful. Those are good things to, to land on. That's where I really want to land. And since we read at the beginning the whole thing about Mary and Martha and Lazarus, I wanted to put this song here at the end. Did I actually write that on your handout? Okay. How many of you are familiar with this song by Andrew Peterson, Always Good? Well, I was not familiar with it before last summer when it was sung at a funeral for Scott Tuckle, who died too young. He was 40. And the words here are really so poignant. It says, do you remember how Mary was grieving? John Cooper led the worship at this funeral. And he said whenever he had sung this song before, he always assumed that that was Mary, the mother of Jesus, weeping over Jesus. But it wasn't. It was this Mary, the Mary who had wiped Jesus' feet with her hair, the Mary whose brother had died and Jesus had raised. And it was at that point where Lazarus was still dead, how you, Jesus, wept and she fell at your feet. If it's true that you know what I'm feeling, could it be that you're weeping with me? And I love that idea, again, that Jesus is compassionate and he knows your heartaches, he knows your expectations, and he's weeping with you says, Arise, O Lord, and save me. There's nowhere else to go. You're always good. Always good. Somehow this sorrow is shaping my heart like it should. You're always good.